0: Welcome back to another episode of Suiting Up Varsity, a podcast dedicated to the sound of the band, the smell of popcorn, the feel of an old letter jacket, the sight of teenagers hoisting trophies high above their heads, and most of all to the grand history and fantastic stories of Nebraska prep sports. Join us as we look back in time at the great moments from a century plus of Nebraska high school athletics. If you were to get into your car today at Lincoln High School and decide to drive to Scotts Bluff High, you'd be facing 400 highway miles, almost exactly. My Google machine tells me to expect about six hours of travel time, and that's at modern highway speeds. And yet, These two schools maintained a football rivalry for over half of a century, playing each other 39 times. I find it hard to believe that any two high schools in the country can match that, if you factor in both distance and frequency. Until proven proven otherwise, I am declaring the Lynx versus the Bluffs as the greatest long-distance high school rivalry in Nebraska, in America, in the world. I have not yet quite nailed down the exact origin of the rivalry somewhere in print, you know, the, the definitive story, uh, to explain uh, the why behind the first game they played in 1939. But I have a pretty good theory. I have to believe it was born from the 1937 final newspaper ratings. Both schools were undefeated in the fall of 37, and the newspapers decided to split the state title giving each school a share. You can imagine the people in the East questioning the Westerner's schedule strength and the folks out in the panhandle responding with a promise to meet on the field anytime, anywhere. So, in 1939, on the dirt of Lincoln High's Oval, they did. And yes, you heard me, dirt. Despite being constructed in 1923, The grass turf was not added to that famous stadium outside of Lincoln High School until 1945. What they would do is they would plow the surface and then roll the field flat again before every game to prepare it and then mark the lines, but there was no grass. Coach Ralph Beechner's Lynx won that first game against Scotts Bluff 22-6 and went on to claim a third straight state title that year. Scotts Bluff fans quickly pointed to the long train ride, explaining that their Bearcats had only stepped off the train three hours before kickoff as a source for the Scotts Bluff second-half troubles. Scotts Bluff had led 6-3 in the game until the dying moments of the first half when Link legend Howard DeBoost powered across the goal line. Lincoln dominated the second half as the Bearcats fought cramping problems in the September heat. 6,000 attended the game, the largest crowd the Lincoln High Oval had ever seen. Greg McBride of the Omaha World-Herald ranked the one-loss Scotts Bluff team third in the state, and the Lincoln Papers declared the Bearcats number two. Um, the two schools would play every year for the next 19 seasons, and during those two decades, one could argue that the game factored into the mythical state title almost every year. Both teams finished the year in the state's top 10, 13 of those 19 years. Of course, Lincoln High figured in the race every year. The Lynx had claims on at least nine state championships before they split that 1937 crown with the Bluffs. Coach Beechner and his follow-up, Coach Bill Pfeiffer, fielded top 10 teams in every season from the beginning of the rating tradition in 1938 until 1931 when they finally missed the top 10. Playing Lincoln High regularly was an important part of earning respect statewide and getting rating consideration, and that was a big part of Scotts Bluff's motivation in the rivalry. Beechner declared immediately after that first game that the Lynx would return the visit out west in either 1940 or 1941. He was true to his word, and they went west in 1941, but not before Scotts Bluff made a second trip east in 1940 this time losing 48-0 in the Oval. In 41, the Lynx visited Bearcat Stadium and won 35-0 on their way to another state ratings title. Lincoln High controlled the rivalry on the field, much as Scotts Bluff has controlled its rivalry with Alliance, the state's oldest continuous matchup. But the Lincoln high Scotts Bluff game was still played every year, and Scotts Bluff was playing the best. Uh, After winning that consensus title in 41, Lincoln High also shared state titles in 42 and 43. The Lynx won six games in the series before the Bluffs uh, scored in the last 40 seconds at home in 1945 to claim a 7-7 tie. All-state back Gerald Ferguson had hit Jim McWilliams on a long pass play to the one-yard line, and then Ferguson plunged the ball across the goal himself to tie the game. The tie and the Bearcats' undefeated run through the rest of their schedule, including a 45-12 drubbing of Grand Island in the first Big Ten playoff game, earned them a share of the state title. Boys Town, with its regional and national schedule in Gothenburg, with its historic upset of Creighton Prep, shared the crown with the Bearcats. Lincoln High got back on the winning track in 1946, downing the Bearcats 13-12 in a muddy downpour in Lincoln, Good thing the grass was in place by then. It looked like the Lynx were going to collect another state title in 46 until they were tripped up at Grand Island in the season finale. McCook and the great Leo McKillop then beat G.I. in the Big Ten playoff and claimed the crown. The Red and Black kept uh, getting the best of Scott's Bluff over the next six games as well culminating with a pair of consensus state title years in 1951 and 1952 when they beat the Bluffs 27-6 to and 13-7. to That 1952 one-score game was in Lincoln, and Scott's Bluff was rewarded for that close loss with the final number two spot in the ratings. The next year, the Bearcats went a step further, as backs Dick Knob and Jim Allen repeatedly hit the li- links. For uh, physical runs and linebacker uh, Dick Groskopf recorded 16 tackles and the Bearcats broke the jinx and took a 14-6 home win, their first ever against Lincoln High. In 1957, the Bluffs won again. This time it was quarterback Jerry Wilkes hitting John Williamson for three touchdown passes to key the blowout win. Scott's Bluff led 34-0 before the Lynx snuck in a late TD. That would be the end of the original series between these two, though. Lincoln High claimed travel costs were too high, but LPS politics played in as well. Uh, Neither Crosstown Rival Northeast nor New Neighbor Southeast had such a cross-state trip on their schedules, and the schoolmen of Lincoln suddenly started worrying about the Big Brother-Little Brother relationship between Lincoln High and the other schools in the city. The rivalry would be dormant for ten years, and in that time, the Lynx would leave the iconic Oval for a new stadium on the east edge of town, Seacrest Field. The Lincoln High-Scots Bluff statewide rivalry would return, though, 10 seasons later and immediately play a part in the state championship race. The Lynx traveled to the Panhandle, making this the first time two straight games in the series, 1957 and 1968, would be played out west. And the Lynx dominated, winning 53-13. After a scoreless first quarter, Lincoln High exploded for 26 second quarter points. It was halfback Mike Shea who keyed the the attack, scoring four touchdowns and rushing for 144 yards. The Lynx finished that 68 season undefeated, but had complicated their state ratings case one week before their trip west when they opened the season playing a 13-13 tie at Hastings. Scotts Bluff would finish a respectable six and three regular season with only outstate losses other than the Lynx. I think they lost to Rapid City Central and uh, Cheyenne Central of Wyoming. Uh, but Scotts Bluff would still be very involved in the state title pictures as winner winners of the Big Ten West and the playoff opponent for the state's other big school unbeaten team, Fremont. The Bluffs traveled east for that playoff game and rallied in the last 54 seconds in a contest we visited in our big games of the pre-playoff era episodes. Uh, Bearcat Tom Engelman hit future Husker star Frosty Anderson for the tying touchdown, creating a 20-20 tie on Fremont's otherwise unblemished record and headaches for the state's football Raiders, as both Lincoln High and Fremont were now undefeated but with one tie. As we chronicled in our Fight for the State Playoffs episode, both big city newspapers went with Lincoln High as their titleist and gave the Lynx what has turned out to be the last of their 17 state football crowns. Fremont was, of course, grumpy about that choice, but the Lincoln high Scottsbluff Bluff rivalry was once again center stage because without that trip west and that convincing win, the top of the top ten probably would have looked different. The year before the rivalry's renewal, Scott's Bluff had picked up another shared state title. The undefeated Big Red, led by All-State Inn Jerry Beckling, were the World Herald's number one team, while Omaha North Boys Town and Bellevue shared the Lincoln Papers' top spot. The Bearcats were the state's only unbeaten big school, but the three Omaha-area schools had, uh, had ties on their resumes. North had tied Bellevue midseason and then played Boys Town to a 7-7 deadlock in the Metro playoff. Scottsbluff disposed of Fremont that year in the Big Ten, 26-6. The Lincoln high scottsbluff Bluff rivalry made its first trip to Seacrest Field the next season in 1969. That was the stadium's eighth year as serving as the capital city's sports mecca. The Lynx once again had the upper hand, winning 25-7. The Red and Black took the next two games as well, making their advantage historically a dominating 20-2-1 and and one since 1939. After that, though, the rivalry became more balanced. In September of 1972, Randy Bauer rushed for 100 yards and the Bearcats claimed their first shutout win of the rivalry series, 20-0. The Lynx had six shutout wins over the Bluffs on their list at that point. A year later, Scotts Bluff completed their first back-to-back victories over Lincoln High, winning with defense. The Bearcats recovered a link fumble in the end zone and scooped up another and returned it 40 yards to pay dirt to account for every single point of their 12-7 win. Bluff's linebacker Bob Turman sealed the victory with an interception in the game's final minute. The two schools split in '74 and '75, with the road team winning each contest. Then the rivalry took its second pause in 1976. The series record stood at 25-5 and 1 toward Lincoln, but the count since the 1968 re- renewal was a more balanced 5-3. I have never seen an explanation for the lack of a 1976 Scottsbluff-Lincoln High game, but the bicentennial year Scottsbluff schedule was not without a Lincoln flavor, though. The two-time defending state champion Lincoln East Spartans stepped into the Lynx shoes and took a trip to Bearcat Stadium in 1976. It did not go well for the blue and white. Scottsbluff jumped out to a 10-6 halftime lead, but East was driving as the third quarter ran down. On the last play of the stanza, with the Spartans on the Bearcat 10-yard line looking to take the lead, quarterback Chip Carmichael was sacked and injured. After the QB was taken from the stadium in an ambulance, the team switched into the stadium. And then Ron Eskom picked off a pass and returned it 95 yards on the first play of the fourth quarter to clinch the upset and move Scotts Bluff to 3 0 that year. East Coach Lee Zenick voiced his displeasure about the Kimball based refereeing squad in the paper after the game. But honestly, that's not something that was that unusual for Zenick in that era, even after East wins. The Spartans finished the season 2-7, uh, East's first losing season since the school's inaugural autumn in 1967, when they went 0-8, and the only time Zenick's crew would miss the state's top 10 between 1969 and 1981. Scott's Bluff, on the other hand, would win five more in a row, before falling to North Platte in the finale, a loss that cost them both the Big Ten West title and any hope of getting into the new NSAA four-team state playoff. That would have been the second year for the state playoffs. Uh, Scott's Bluff was kind of a long shot to get into the NSAA playoffs uh, because 7-0-2 Grand Island uh, had a better playoff point average than them. Uh, the Bearcats were not the only unbeaten big school to fall that night. It was kind of a big night in Class A. In Omaha, 8-0 Ralston was upset by 4-5 Lincoln Northeast, and that caused the Rams to miss the NSAA playoffs. Uh, Lincoln Southeast, who had been an early victim of Ralston's, uh, losing by more than two touchdowns in the regular season, won the playoffs, but then the World Herald split the title. Uh, giving uh, their championship to Ralston while the Lincoln Papers and, of course, the NSAA Trophy went to Lincoln Southeast. Lincoln High, coached by Larry Frost, uh, Scott Frost's father in 1976, was 5-3-1, having not played Scott's Bluff. Both the Lynx and Scott's Bluff finished in the top 10 in 76, the first time that had happened since 1968. Even though the football rivalry was on pause in 1976, there was a linked team uh, that traveled to Scottsbluff that autumn to take on the Bearcats, the Lincoln High Volleyballers. The state tournament uh, in the first years had been hosted at Scotts Bluff's Western Nebraska College, and it was there again in 1976, and the two old football rivals advanced all the way to the Class A championship game. The Bearcats came out on top in a back-and-forth battle, Scott's Bluff won the first game 15 to 7. Lincoln High stormed back in the second uh, to win 15 to three, but then Scott's Bluff got it together and won a nail biter in the deciding third game 16 to 14. As I said, I've never seen any explanation for why uh, Scott's Bluff dropped off the link football schedule for just one year. Uh, I do not think there was a plan for East and the other schools to rotate through as the Far West Travelers, which, you know, you can maybe imagine the Lincoln Public Schools talking about, um, because East played the Bearcats for a surprisingly uneven three years. Uh, usually contracts are for even numbers of years. Um, East hosted Scotts Bluff in 1977 and then returned to the Panhandle in 78. East won both of those games. Uh, Lincoln High picked up the Scotts Bluff series in 77, as if it had never stopped. It was their turn to go west, so they traveled to Scotts Bluff in 77 after having hosted the 1975 game. No matter the scheduling politics that caused the pause, the rivalry was resumed and would continue until 1988. The Lynx won the renewal game in 1977, coming from behind in the fourth quarter for a 21-17 win. They won two more before Scotts Bluff got another win in the series. The Bearcats visited Seacrest in September of 1980 and held the Lynx to just 66 total total yards. It was a 0-0 game until Lad Pettit ran in a fourth-quarter TD to give the Bearcats a 7-0 win. Uh, The series kept producing close games, as Lincoln High won 21-14 on the road in 1981 and 7-0 at home in 1982. In 1983, Scotts Bluff got what would be their last win in the rivalry. The Bearcat defense dominated that night again, forcing six turnovers in a 20-6 win. Catch this stat. Defensive end John Van Newkirk alone by himself recovered four link fumbles in the game. And the Capital City crew did not score until the game's final second. Uh, future Army quarterback Brian McWilliams, though, uh, would lead the Lynx to decisive wins the next two years in 1984 and 85. The only close game in the closing years of this series was in 1986. Uh, Lincoln High took control of the game with 236 rushing yards and got a last-minute interception from Derek DeLaBarre to ice the 14-7 win. The Lynx won by three scores in each of the series' final two games. The 1988 contest at Seacrest Stadium was played 50 seasons after that first 1939 meeting, and the Lynx dominated from kickoff to final gun, winning 21-0. The Lynx homecoming crowd that night was just over 2,000. A nice crowd, but far short of the 6,000 who had sardined themselves into the Oval for that first game in 1939. The two schools went their separate ways after that game. The Lynx made their first serious run at a state title in 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 decades, four years later in 1992. After qualifying for their first NSAA State Playoffs in 1990, they powered out close wins over Papillion La Vista and Millard South to make the 1992 Class A Final. They lost that final to Crosstown Rival Southeast 17-0 in front of 8,382 fans. The Lynx have been back to the playoffs eight times since but have not recreated the magic of that 1992 championship game run. Scott's Bluff shifted to Class B in 1994 when the state made a significant change in classification plans. And Bearcat football has been a force in that division almost every year since, making 20 playoff appearances and winning 21 postseason games. The Big Red were state runners-up in back-to-back years in 1999 and 2000, and again in 2019 and 2020. Uh, the Bearcats came closest to the big prize in that 2020 game just a year ago uh, against Omaha Scud. All-state quarterback-slash-linebacker Sebastian Harsh led a fourth-quarter comeback, scoring two touchdowns himself to bring the Bluffs within 21-20. On the second score, late in the game, Scott's Bluff opted to go for two and the lead instead of playing for the tie, but the Skyhawks stopped Harsh just inches from the goal and held on for their second straight state title win over Scott's Bluff. As the 2021 football season begins its playoffs to conclude the latest two-year NSAA scheduling cycle for football, I think it might just be time to revive this rivalry. The State Association is always struggling to fill the schedules of the Western teams, and it was great to see some cross-classification games used to help that out. I know I probably should not get greedy since they did give us the revival of the Scots Bluff versus North Platte rivalry just recently. But how about taking the Lynx back to Bearcat Stadium and bringing the Bluffs back to Lincoln High? Maybe even playing the game at Ralph Beechner Field uh, at the site of the original Oval. It's time the prep sports gods threw me a bone after denying me Lincoln Air Park High School in favor of another Northwest High. Ugh. Let's make it happen. Lincoln High versus Scott's Bluff for fall 2022. Before I wrap things up here, don't forget, folks, as you're thinking about maybe heading to Lincoln for the state football championship games, uh, to, to fit in a, a stop at the Nebraska High School Hall of Fame while you're in town. I, I'm, uh, I'm looking at maybe being down in Lincoln this week, and I'm already trying to size up if I can get in there. Um, they're open Monday, Wednesdays, Fridays. Uh, give them a call and check to see if they have uh, special hours during the state championship games. It's always free, and always they have amazing new stuff. Just uh, a great ex- uh, exhibit hall. And I guarantee you, if you like this podcast, you would really enjoy the Nebraska High School Hall of Fame. Well, that's it until next time. Uh, while you're waiting for a new podcast episode, follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at SuitUpVarsity, or check out our newly spruced-up webpage at suitingupvarsity.org. There we have links to Twitter nominations for our greatest no- athletes at each Nebraska school. Uh, We have a link to our curated list of Nebraska high school sports history films and videos on YouTube. Uh, We have a list of school songs for every school we know. We have links to all our episodes and quite a bit more, including contact information if you have an idea or a question you want to get in touch with us about. Also on our webpage, there's a link to our Patreon page, which you can also find just by searching Patreon, Suiting Up Varsity. Patreon is a place where you can support our work and get some nice bonuses uh, in return. Anyone who pledges even a dollar on our Patreon gets access to some school, some cool Nebraska history stuff, uh, like uh, our color-coded timeline of conferences. You can follow as teams go in and out of different conferences. Uh, our list of school and schools and nicknames including our consolidation guide that we're building with closing and opening dates uh, for all the schools we know of, notes on new podcast episodes, sometimes even as I'm researching and writing them, Uh, more pictures of Nebraska high school sports history that aren't on our Twitter feed, Um, access to online and in-person meetups and question and answer sessions, Uh, being a Patreon uh, of of our site, Uh, gives you the ability to request special questions to be researched or to get a detailed history of a school of your choice, and much more. Uh, Check it out at patreon.com slash suitingupvarsity, all one word, and uh, see all that's there. We hope to hear from you soon. Also, if you like this podcast, take time to rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcast. It helps others Find our show, and I tell you, yesterday I ran across a couple new reviews and it just made me feel really good. So, you know, uh, do that. Make me feel really good. Or better yet, share one of our episodes on Twitter or Facebook or on your other social media that you uh, that you cultivate. Uh, help other Nebraska sports fans find our podcast. This has been Suiting Up Varsity, episode 43, written and produced by me, Greg Nays technical and research assistance by my brothers tate mays and trend mays helpful audio advice and encouragement from chris shukai and as always dedicated to jerry mathers the godfather of nebraska high school sports history and the inspiration for this podcast suiting up varsity is the anchor show of the nebraska varsity network copyright 2021